Welcome, classmates, to this wonderful experience in learning about communications that you're getting from these courses and these extra special interviews we get once a month that follows the course. It's all part of a great training method to make you a better communicator. Speaking of a great communicator, our guest in this segment is David Bradford, close friend and one of the few people in the world that has built two different billion-dollar companies. He's known as the human internet because he's so well-connected. His business successes have been built on his ability to cultivate relationships with world-renowned leaders in technology, in sports, in entertainment, and other industries. What makes a successful entrepreneur? First of all, I believe you're the average of the five people with whom you surround yourself. And so you've got to surround yourself with great people. So those entrepreneurs who are successful, Larry, are those people who've absolutely built a, a team around them that can take them to the next level. So I live by a 60-30-10 rule in building a company. 60% of the success of any enterprise is based on its people. 30% on its technology or its service, 10% done luck. But of course, the harder you work, the luckier you're going to become. But the bottom line is you've got to surround yourself with great people in order to build a great entrepreneurial venture. So that would be true of the Steve Jobs, the Ted Turners, the Warren Buffetts. They all have that. Oh, my gosh. When I think about my relationship with Eric Schmidt, I reported to Eric no, Schmidt well. for, you know, a number of years at Novell. And Eric came into my office one day and he says, we've got to have a fundraiser. I said, what fundraiser do you want to have? I want to have one for Senator Orrin Hatch. I said, Eric, you're a Democrat. He says, doesn't matter. I want to help Warren Hatch. I think he's a great guy. He's helped intellectual property. I want to support him. I said, great. And so we set up a, a fundraiser for Warren Hatch in the Silicon Valley. Eric supported it. Years later, this is after Novell. Now he's at Google. Now he needs the help of the U.S. government as they fight China to get Google into China. And Schmidt and Senator Hatch made things happen. So build those relationships. Groundwork. Lay the groundwork early. What are the two companies you built? Well, I, I was involved in Fusion IO. I wasn't the founder of the company, but I came in as CEO. And Fusion IO made a solid state memory device. But when we came in, it was doing roughly a couple million a year. But a couple of years later, we were doing 200 million a year. How did it happen? Well, first of all, great technology. But we built a team of people that could take that technology that was invented by a brilliant guy, David Flynn. And we took that technology with the people and took it to Apple, Facebook. They became our marquee customers. So you got to have marquee customers that you can then leverage into the marketplace. So Fusion IO was one of them. We took it public on the New York Stock Exchange in 2011, and it got to a $3.6 billion market cap. So that was a fun one. What's um, the other one? The other one is, uh, more recently, a company called HireView that makes a digital interviewing platform. And uh, innovative platform, the company's grown from two million four years ago to close to 50 million today. So that one's not public yet, but it's a fantastic company and we have high hopes for higher view. Is your goal money? Oh, no, my, my goal really is to build relationships. That's where I get my kick in life, is to be able to form great business relationships where there is a trust that people develop in working together. So the money results from that. Absolutely. You know, anything that I've achieved in my life has been built upon personal relationships. So are you saying you can't do it alone? 
It's very, very difficult. Jobs was a bit of an outlier. Steve Jobs was a person that really... But he had great people who had it. He didn't invent it. No, no. In fact, Steve Wozniak, right? Yeah. He was the guy that invented the computer. And then Jobs took it and took it to a next level. He was the marketing genius. He was a very independent guy, though, so... Yeah. But he still knew he needed the team. He needed the team, and he needed the Woz. And uh, we later hired Steve Wozniak to work for us at Fusion I.O. It was his first paycheck since Apple. That was a crazy thing. A little Salt Lake City-based company hiring Steve Wozniak? Go figure. Is networking important for everyone, people watching this? Oh, my gosh. Do we I, all network? I really believe that from a long-term happiness standpoint, you've got to build those personal relationships that will be with you the rest of your life. You know, if you go out of this life without those relationships, your life is a sad one. And so I think it's so important to build relationships. I think about, you know, people say, well, it's just business. I don't look at it that way. Every business transaction has its basis in a personal relationship. So the more personal relationships you can develop, the more successful you're going to be. Steve Jobs and Warren Buffett, we mentioned those. They were great at working the room. <laughs> yeah. To get up on stage and motivate people. You do that? Oh, I try to do it. Uh, I think one of the things that uh, I suggest to people that are just getting started in networking, first of all, you got to show up in life. 90% of your success in life is going to be just based on showing up. So Woody Allen. Being there. Right. Success that's, is that's, being showing up. Right? That's a great Woody Allen quote. And so I think the more you show up, the more you're there for other people, the greater things come out of it. Get off the porch. Get off the porch. You really have to. I think about my first two jobs, Larry. I grew up in Red Lodge, Montana. This is a town, my high school graduating class had 40 kids. So I was probably the most disconnected lawyer in the universe when I graduated <laughs> from law school. And I was out there looking for a job. We had three kids. I was desperate. We had law school loans, etc. So I went out and I walked in on a law firm. The receptionist says, well, what are you here for? And I said, well, I'm here to meet with the hiring partner. And she says, well, let me see if Mr. Waldorf is in. She called up. Two weeks later, I had my first job. But I showed up. It wasn't because I sent a resume. It wasn't, you know, you got to show up. You got to build relationships. I asked you about a great entrepreneur. Is that the same as a great networker? Well, I think great networkers can become great entrepreneurs. And most great entrepreneurs that I know are great networkers because they surround themselves with really great teams. How does the average person get to be a great networker or well, a good networker? Yeah, let me tell you. First of all, I, there are people out there that are going to say to themselves, I could never be Larry King. I could never be David Bradford. I could never be whatever. The key to great networking is to simply be curious. Learn to ask questions. Look at your career. My gosh. Uh, you have asked questions. You're naturally curious about other people. And so I think you just get curious. Where are you from? When I uh, got acquainted with Steve Wozniak, I went to an event. I didn't even know he was going to be at the event. I show up at the event. I go to the front row. I sit down and there's a young lady sitting next to me. And I said, well, what's your story? She says, I'm Steve Wozniak's executive assistant. There are a thousand people in the room. So we begin to interchange on that. She finds out I'm in the IT sector. So she introduces me after Woz's speech. 
That's how I got to know Steve Wozniak. So the but light bulb went off. And curious. The light bulb went off. She <laughs> said that, right? Right, right. So, you know, it's easy to ask questions. And when you ask questions and you show interest in other people, they're going to reciprocate. There's a law of reciprocity in the universe that people have an intuitive desire to give back. It always works. When you show great interest in someone right. and ask them and bring them into your sense, right. your awareness, right. it always works. Yeah. Can a person learn to be a great networker? Well, listen, the word is not net eat. It's not net goof off. It's not net golf. It's net work. You have to set side, time aside to actually do this. Every morning, I spend an hour between 6 and 7 a.m. working the network. In other words, I'll go in, I'll send an email to someone I haven't heard from for, uh, for, for a time period. I stay connected to these people. You have to work hard at it. There's a 10,000-hour rule that, you know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about. To be world-class at anything, you got to spend 10,000 hours. Networking is one of those areas. I asked uh, Louis Neiser, the great lawyer, yeah. if there's such a thing as luck in law. He said, oh, yeah, you get lucky at 4 a.m. in a law library. Oh, I love that. Absolutely. And Branch Rickey, the great baseball executive, said, luck is the residue of design. I love you that. You make yeah. your luck. Absolutely. You know, when I think about, you know, you love baseball. I love baseball. Grew up, you know, idolizing Vince Scully. And the, the thing that I resonate with in baseball is the number of at-bats that you get during a year. In business, your success is directly correlated to the number of at-bats you have. And the number of at-bats depends on the number of connections that you make. And so if you have even if you have a 330 batting average like Bryce Harper, and you only get 100 at-bats during the year, you're only gonna have 33 hits. But if you have six out six of 10 under, times, you fail six out of 10 times, but you're still a success. Absolutely. So the more at-bats that you can get in your life, the greater success you're gonna have. Do you learn from your losses? You know, that's a controversy. I. I would prefer to learn from my wins more from my losses, um, but we've all had tough times, right? We all go through those cycles in our life. I can remember in 1985, my, I just lost my father. I'd lost my job. I was looking for a new opportunity. I was driving down the freeway in Orem, Utah. You're familiar with I-15 corridor. I saw a big sign off the side of the freeway that said Novell. Something told me, Larry, to get off the freeway. I walk in, I meet Ray Norda, the president of the company. Three weeks later, I had my second great job. Did you know what Novell was? I knew what Novell was because I was in the technology sector, and so I was familiar with the company, but I thought they were based in the Silicon Valley. And so sometimes you see something, follow your intuition, do it, get off, great things can happen, show up. It's one thing to have a good network. How about utilizing? Oh. If you build a better mousetrap, but you got to sell the world. You, you got to stay in touch. And I'll tell you, in, tw in this 21st century, we have better tools than ever to stay in touch. I, this very morning, I had a wonderful conference call with the president of a company called Inlingua in uh, Switzerland. And I did it over Skype, but we found him using social media, uh, et cetera, identified the company, and proceeded to have this great conversation with the man. And so, 21st century tools of communication. Don't just like someone's Facebook post, 
comment on it. If someone posts something on LinkedIn, go and comment on it. Don't just click on like. Anybody can click on like. Take the time to personalize your response and your opinion to what they're saying. Can you network with people you don't like? <laughs> uh, Isn't that part of life? You know, in some ways, life's too short to spend time with people that you don't like. And so I try to surround myself with people that have similar um, desires, similar goals in life, and, and people that I like. You and I share a common love of baseball. We can talk about that all day long. And so my advice to people out there in terms of networking, find areas of commonality with people. As you find those areas of commonality, trust forms, and when trust forms, everything in the relationship will accelerate from there. How about approaching people of power? Of course, people are intimidated if you, in the midst of powerful people. Right. If you approach it that you're there to give something to that individual, to help that individual, you know, I think we've got to flip the whole networking concept on its head. Networking is all about thinking about the other person first. What can I do to build their company? What can I do to help them? What do they need in their lives? And as you get interested in them, they'll show interest back. It's that law of reciprocity we talked about earlier. And so when you approach a powerful person, think what is it that that person needs to build their company? What has technology done to all of this? Boy, when I look back at what's happened over the last 40 years, I mean, I got involved in the computer industry in 1980, and so that's now 36 years or so I've been involved. And um, it's accelerated our ability to get things done. Use technology in the best possible way. And so, uh, absolutely, uh, 21st century tools of communication are essential to accelerate you mean speed, right? Speed. The speed. Well, Stephen M. R. Covey wrote a book, great book called The Speed of Trust. When trust exists, everything happens much more quickly. When trust doesn't exist in a company or a corporation, everything slows down because people are looking, how can I cover my rear end, right? And so it slows everything down. The speed of communication slows down. The email flows slow down. And so you've got to have relationships of trust. Is there a downside to this uh, unbelievable transition into technology? Absolutely. Uh, I have seen companies that have grown and have taken uh, technologies and used them for really bad purposes, for immoral purposes online. And I'm not going to get too political here, but I, I think that you can use this technology for the wrong purpose. And if I have a saying, money makes you more of what you already are. Money makes you more of what you already are. And so applying that to a world of technology, if you are inherently good and you build a technology, it's going to be used for good purposes. But there are people in this world that are inherently not necessarily good. They build a technology. It can be used for bad. Why do people have trouble getting off the porch? Why do they have trouble showing up? That you know, seems so simple to me. Right. How can you accomplish anything by not showing up? Some of it's, frankly, DNA related, right? People are naturally shy, but I, I'm telling you, I, I have seen people, Eric Schmidt, honestly, Bill Gates, 
Another example, Bill Gates tried to buy our company Novell back in the early 90s. I had the opportunity to meet Bill in Redmond, Washington as we discuss a possible combination of our companies. What I noticed about Bill is he was a naturally shy person. Yeah, he is. Right? You've oh, seen it. Definitely. Right? Been with He's him. just a shy person. He had to get outside of himself, right? And as he built those relationships with Paul Allen and the other members of his team that he brought together, that shyness kind of dissipated. Eric Schmidt, he's not necessarily the most outgoing guy in the world when you first meet him. But over time, those things melt away. So. What do people miss in networking? Opportunities that you miss? People fail to follow up. So I've written a book called, you know, Six Timeless Principles for Networking Your Way to the Top. It's called Up Your Game. And my third principle is to follow up. So I remember when I met Wozniak uh, in July of 2008, I followed up that night with an extensive email telling him all about the company and the technology that we were doing. Follow up within 24, 48 hours. I'm sorry, if you follow up in 72 hours or longer, you're going to be off that person's top of their mindset. So you got to follow up and do it quickly and efficiently and in a meaningful way. Um, I remember Malcolm Gladwell. I met Malcolm at an, an event. I'm sure you know Malcolm. But I met him at an event at Sundance some years ago. We exchanged business cards. I followed up that day, but I followed up in a personal way. Here's the thing people don't know about Malcolm Gladwell. They know about his great books. But he grew up in a little town in Canada, much like I grew up in Red Lodge, Montana. And the thing that I learned about Malcolm when I did a lot of research on his background is he was a runner. And in fact, I sent him a photograph of him breaking the tape when he broke the Canadian high school record. He ran a 4.15 mile, 4 minute, 15 second mile high school. in high school, Malcolm Gladwell. And so I wrote him and says, I know why you're a successful author. You're persistent. You go after things and so forth. And so he emailed me right back and he said, oh my gosh, my knee's bad. Sorry, I don't run much anymore, et cetera. But you get personal with people, find areas of commonality. Malcolm was the, was the one who told me something I'd never realized. In the fight between David and Goliath, David was the favorite. Right. right. David had the rock. <laughs> Goliath had height. He had bigness. David had the ability to move around, and he had the rock. He was fast. He was the favorite. Right. The and odds he, were on David. Right. He flipped it all on that's its head, right. and, and that's what I, I love about Gladwell's book, David and Goliath. Terrific read. Yeah. How about things that discovered, and then a week later, there's a new one that wipes that one out? You oh, have in terms of technology? Yeah, my God. Well, that's why speed to market is important. So when I go and counsel people in terms of uh, their entrepreneurial ventures and so forth, we've got to find a path to market quickly and efficiently. And sometimes it's a breakthrough value proposition, but sometimes it involves capital, sometimes it involves people, and it involves having marquee customers and accounts. That's why we went out and got Facebook as one of our first customers at Fusion.io. Because you got Facebook, and they're using your technology in their data center. People love it. So it's speed to market these days. Were you a natural communicator? You know what's funny, Larry? My mom, 92 years old, vibrant, loving person to this day, lives in a little town in Utah. 
But she, I think, got me in the communication thing. When I was in high school in this little bitty Red Lodge, Montana, she got me participating in the statewide speech contests and got me kind of outside of what I would have otherwise done. And so a lot of the credit goes to my mom for any communication skills that I have. We're trying to help people, of course, in these courses. And one of the biggest fear people have is speaking in front of an audience. What are some tips you do? You know, what's funny, here's an actual tip that I, I do and I've done before, is I'll go run for a quarter mile or a half a mile around the building before I deliver my speech. It gets my heart rate up and kind of gets me thinking about something else other than, oh, I'm going to be in front of a camera. I'm going to be interviewed by Larry King. Oh, that's so scary, right? So sometimes I'll take a time to run around a building or walk briskly or something like that. Or if I'm in an important golf match uh, and I've got to hit a key shot or something like that, it's kind of, it's kind of running and, and getting you out of your, your own head because your own head's going to get in your way. Are you always looking for new businesses? You know what? I have chosen in my life to use my success not as a hammock, but as a springboard. Right? So I am constantly looking for new things. In fact, my wife and I have built a company called Fluent Worlds, which is Fluent Worlds. So speak fluently, Fluent Worlds. And we created a, a series of 3D virtual classrooms that allow people to learn a language in context. So imagine the 500 million people today in China that are trying to learn English as a second language. They can now go into a virtual classroom or a virtual Las Vegas or a virtual doctor's office, grocery store, et cetera, that we built online so they can learn the language in context. So. We're having fun, and I'm always looking for cool new technologies. What do you miss about the old ways? I miss the digital phone. You, know, you yeah. stick your finger in, brrrp, brrrp, and then you call an operator, and they get the long distance. Yeah, there's a physica physicality to that. You miss that. the sound. Right. Now everything's voice activated. Yeah, see, I... Yeah, no, it's not working for you. <laughs> what do you miss? The simplicity of life, honestly, uh, you know, uh, I spent the first 10 years of my life before we moved to Montana in Burbank, California. And so learned to play baseball and we had seven siblings and the, the wonderful, simple family life back in the 50s, you know, it was clean, it was wonderful, et cetera. It had smog, you know, we, <laughs> uh, but uh, today things have just gotten too busy. Are with there's more people living, more in the population, more things happening. Are the opportunities still there? Oh my gosh, they're more available today than ever before, and people just need to take the time to get off the porch, go out and do something about it. Nolan Bushnell, uh, the father of Atari and um, the father of video gaming generally, he has a great quote in his book. He he wrote, "Finding the next Steve Jobs." And in the book, he wrote a very interesting quote. He said, everybody that's ever taken a shower has a great idea. It's the person that gets out of the shower, towels off, and goes off and does something about it that succeeds in life. And why don't they do it? <laughs> why don't they get out of the shower, towel themselves, and go out and do it? I think we let the constraints of other people's opinion of us impact 
what we do with ourselves. I never worried about what people thought about me. And hence your success, right? Never thought about it. Right, right. You didn't let their opinions impact your ability to succeed. And so I think that's something that I learned. I've learned from my wife. I've learned from my mother is, you know, you just go off and do. And yeah, you're going to run into some failures from time to time. But if you just keep doing it, I think there's a quote up here somewhere that we read today that Rocky Balboa said something to the effect that, you know, every champion started as a contender, but was persistent. Take a tip, folks. You can do it. Thanks, Dave Bradford. Great being with you, Larry. My pleasure. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to comment and don't forget, download your worksheet. That's important.